Hello everyone, uh, thanks a lot for joining uh, at our Esquire Talks. Today we'll talk about MLOps. Uh, we have with us Yawar Aziz. Yawar Aziz has done his uh, master's from Stanford University and he's worked with multiple startups as a data scientist. Currently he's working at Google uh, as machine learning engineer in their search product area. His responsibilities include deploying ML models at scale and building new features that serve billions of users. So thanks a lot Yawar for joining us. So let's just get started with our topic, MLOps. Um, so right from the start, what are the different components of a machine learning system? Thanks, Art. Pleasure to be here. Um, so before we go into machine learning systems, I want to give a brief primer on machine learning in general. So what is machine learning? It's a set of algorithms that learn from data instead of being explicitly programmed. So two main parts. One is the algorithm. Second is the data. And I'll come back to why that's important. Machine learning is used in uh, many fields, for example, spam detection, product recommendations, object recognition, fraud detection, forecast modeling, and so, so on and so forth. So um, when, when I say you, you want to train a machine learning model from data instead of being explicitly programmed, imagine a spam classification model where it's virtually impossible for every spam email in the world to be um, labeled by a human being. So that's why you have to give data to machine learning model to automatically learn what the behavior of a spam email is. Now, I uh, further split machine learning system into six parts. Um, number one, data collection and analysis. Uh, so data is probably the most important part of a machine learning system. Um, one of the most important, if not the most important, and this means you want to collect your data from multiple sources. It could be structured, unstructured. Uh, you also want to perform analysis on top of it, um, understand what the data is, the range, the scale of values, and uh, the quality of the data. Um, second is feature engineering. So once you have this data developed, um, before putting it into a machine learning model, you have to do some work on top of the data. So for example, if you're building a spam classification model, this could be uh, developing features like subject line or what the text contains. If you're looking at a, a stock market, stock value prediction model, a forecasting model, that your features could be um, historic prices of a stock or market indexes or market volatility um, or political you know, um, scenarios. Um, so once you have features developed, um, then comes the part where you're uh, ready to stick it into a model. Now, machine learning has matured so much in the past few years that this model development part is actually probably the easiest part in the whole pipeline. There are uh, very mature machine learning uh, libraries, pipelines, um, which require a couple lines of code and you get state-of-the-art machine learning performance. Um, so this is probably one of the easiest parts. Then comes uh, model evaluation and validation. So once you have built a model, you want to know what the quality of the model is. Is it performing well on the business use case that you built it for? Um, and uh, basically evaluation and validation gives you the direction of the machine learning model. Uh, what are you optimizing for? For example, if you are building a fraud detection model, you would want very low false negatives and you're okay with a few false positives. Um, labeling, then you have model deployment and serving. So once you build the model, you want to put it into a state where it can be used for live predictions. 
Um, and then uh, you want to build a pipeline around it, which continuously deploys and serves based on the scale that you want it to be serving on. Um, and then last but not the least is monitoring. So you want to be able to monitor your model for different metrics um, and make sure that your model is performing as expected in production. Um, and um, it's not moving away from what you saw in your offline model development. That's very important in uh, machine learning system. Okay, that's great. So now let's just come to our topic, MLOps. What is it and why does it matter? So when talking about ML uh, machine learning systems, the, the real challenge isn't building a machine learning model. It's building an integrated machine learning system that continuously operates in production. Uh, seamlessly and uh, without issues, or if there are issues that you are quickly able to correct them. Um, so practicing MLOps um, essentially means that you're working towards um, automation and monitoring of all parts of the pipelines that I mentioned from data uh, collection, cleaning, feature engineering, um, model development, evaluation, deployment, um, and infrastructure management around it. And so the benefits of machine learning are many. First and foremost is development velocity. Um, so it's it's kind of a uh, the way I put it is you want to move slower today so you can move faster tomorrow. Um, what that means is it might take some time to develop these processes, work on MLOps um, today, but it rapidly increases the time of development for data scientists especially and the whole company in general to push models from uh, inception to prototyping to eventually deploying in production. So it's uh, it's a pain today, but it's uh, it's going to make your life better tomorrow. Um, another benefit is data and model lineage and tracking. So in machine learning, accountability is very important. So once you have made a prediction, you want to be able to tell where that prediction came from, what data set it came from, what kind of cleaning transformation were applied to that data, um, what model was used, and what metrics were used to evaluate that model. So in MLOps, you are tracking and versioning every part of the pipeline, and that gives you this data audit auditability in the future, if you ever want to go back and see what happened in the model. Um, there's also reproducibility, so because you have modularized all these components and the version and tracked, you can rerun the pipeline and get the same result, same model, same data, um, which, is, which is also very important. And uh, because you've containerized and modularized the code in MLOps, it's easy to upgrade uh, a stack um, and it's easy to upgrade individually uh, based on uh, like changing you know, software stacks and uh, new machine learning systems coming out. Um, you also have fewer issues in productions because now you're following best software practices. And if there are uh, issues in production, it's easy to fix them because you're monitoring every part of the pipeline and you can easily go back and see what went wrong and um, even you know fix it and rerun the pipeline really quickly. So there is, there's a concept of DevOps and obviously MLOps. What, are there any similarities or differences between those two? MLOps is basically DevOps meeting machine learning. Uh, you have all the nice parts of, uh, of the DevOps uh, pipeline, CI, CD, deployment, dependable releases, uh, monitoring, and basically what DevOps has done for uh, developers 
where they uh, developed the software and then gave it to the ID team um, and the DevOps team to eventually deploy, monitor in production, uh, or load testing and all of that. Um, MLOps is that plus some machine learning components to it. And uh, most of the differences between MLOps and DevOps, it, uh, it's, it's, it contains of five different parts, roughly. Number one, uh, team skills. So in MLOps, your, your team is structured differently than in DevOps. Now you have data scientists in the mix. And these are folks that don't have necessarily software engineering knowledge, but they're very machine learning focused and algorithm focused. So the, the team structure is a bit different in MLOps. Um, another is experimental development. So in traditional software development, um, it's roughly linear in some sense, but in ML um, pipelines, it's, it's kind of circular. There's a lot of iterating, there's a lot of trial and error in getting the best model for your problem. So yeah, the, the pipeline is a bit circular. Um, there's additional testing needed. Uh, in addition to your normal integration and unit testing, you want to do some um, data testing and model testing. Uh, then you also have deployment. So you want to be able to deploy really fast, um, but you also want to be able to rerun the deployment based on signals that you see in, in production. When you're monitoring your model in production, there might be signals where you want to retrain your model because your model is moving away from what it's uh, supposed to be doing. So there's like this um, feedback loop in deployment that also needs to be done in MLOps. And then um, you also have monitoring. So you're, you're monitoring for extra metrics now, in addition to the normal um, software health and uh, uh, traffic and, all, and memory and all that, you have extra metrics to monitor for machine learning. Uh, that could be prediction quality and model performance and things like that. So considering that whosoever is using uh, machine learning, so is it MLOps a must for all of them? That's a really good question. And um, I would say it really depends on the business use case and uh, uh, basically your resources. Um, for example, if you update your model, if, you, if you're working in a business where the data doesn't change very much, day-to-day uh, -day or month-to-month, -month, um, and you update your model once a year or twice a year, or once you know, a quarter or something, maybe manual processes is fine and you don't need to invest heavily into MLOps. Uh, you could go away with um, automating some parts of the pipeline, but keeping the rest manual. Um, an example of this could be an, um, insurance risk or disaster risk where the data isn't as frequent um, as other 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 businesses, um, if your model, however, is updating a couple of times a month, then you're better off with some machine learning automation at different parts. Um, for example, if you're very experimental in nature, if your company wants to uh, like is your data scientist is spending more time uh, developing and retraining the model, then some automation and that part pre-model development is nice. Uh, whereas if there's not much pre-model development tuning required, but mostly uh, there's a small amount of tuning required, but then you want to quickly deploy to production, any small change, then some automation on the post-model would be beneficial. And then there is a third case where your data is changing very frequently. You want to uh, 
keep your production models up to date as frequent as possible. That's where full MLOps is probably your best bet. Um, and that's where you would want continuous training. For example, spam detection. You want your models to be picking up the latest um, data in spam and then retraining your model. And you have this whole full feedback loop pipeline that reruns um, every time you know your monitoring suggests that you know your model needs to be retrained. So this it, it really depends on your use case, how frequent you want your model to be updated, how frequent the data that's coming in um, needs to be applied to the model. So can we like say if it's more frequent, then maybe MLOps would help us more or the other, is, is, is this a case? Right, so MLOps is basically automating and monitoring the pipeline. So whatever part is most frequent in your business, then you're better off just automating that part instead of the whole pipeline. If you're just well, deploying the model once or twice a year, then there's not really much value in automating the deployment process. But if your model development process is your daily, um, you're updating that daily, then probably you, you want to try MLOps there. Okay, so in terms of step-by-step, let's just suppose I have a, built a one ML model. I have to put it in operations. What should be done? Um, so before that, you uh, there's a lot of requirements that need to be finalized. Um, it depends on the use case. Uh, do you care about latency? Um, are you going to serve in live traffic, or is it going to be a batch process that's run offline? Uh, are you uh, is um, are you cost sensitive? So do you want to use CPUs or TPUs to predict? Uh, they each have different costs and la different latency and throughputs. Uh, so it really depends on your use case. Um, what that, that would define your requirements for the system. And once you have these requirements set, um, machine learning, uh, MLOps requires that data scientists, they have like close collaboration with your software engineers, your DevOps engineers, um, and bring them early on into the process so that they know the requirements of your machine learning model. Um, a lot of problems with um, uh, like very uh, infant machine learning systems is the data scientists develop their own models and when they're done, they hand it over to DevOps or software engineers who then go ahead and deploy that model in production. And there's a big disconnect between both teams and that can lead to problems in production. So a, a close collaboration is very important between both uh, software engineers and machine learning or data scientists. Um, there needs to be a clear communication of uh, model requirements. So the model requirement model requires some CPU, RAM, memory, um, and also uh, TPU and CPU resources. And so that needs to be clearly communicated. So your model is running in production in the best possible setting. Uh, there's also quality requirements that need to be communicated. So in, in machine learning monitoring, you want to make sure your model is performing adequately and equivalent to what you saw in your offline pipeline. Uh, and you want to specify thresholds of your model quality that if your model quality degrades from a certain point, then you um, notify the data scientists, they should jump in. So again, close communication between DevOps and, and machine learning scientists when building, uh, when taking machine learning models to production. Okay, so other than 
code, do we need to do more with version and track when working with machine learning models? And how is it achieved? In addition to code, you want to version your um, multiple things now that you're dealing with the machine learning pipeline. So remember the definition of machine learning has code and uh, data both, uh, which are new things. Uh, the data and model are new things to the pipeline now. So you want to be versioning the data itself. Um, and that means you could have new data sets coming in, you could have new features coming into your model. Um, and then this data could be a, a new data schema or the values of your data change. So you want to be versioning your data very frequently. Um, and uh, you also want to version your model as well. So with the same data, you could try out different models. Uh, it could be random forest classifier and neural network. Uh, and every model you try, um, that needs to be versioned as well. And then third is metrics versioning. So with the same model and data, you could have different metrics, different ways you evaluate the model. So it's also important to version the metric. Uh, and this could change based on your business use case. And then in addition to that, um, you, you want to be modularizing your code, containerizing it so that um, your code is also separately tracked in addition to the data. And then um, you want to be storing your model data and your code data in some kind of metadata store, which has all the knowledge of these different versions. And um, you know you have your source of truth in one place. Okay, thank you. Uh, so how to create CI-CD pipelines for machine learning and how are they different from standard CI-CD pipelines? So con continuous integration and continuous deployment pipelines, um, they're pretty much the same for ML ops, uh, but there are some additions to it. So your CI pipeline is not only about testing and validating code and components, but it's also about testing and validating data, data schemas, and your models as well. Uh, your continuous deployment or CD pipeline is no longer about single software package or a service, but a system um, that should automatically deploy another service. So in this case, it's a machine learning training pipeline that is triggered and when it finishes, it deploys another service. So that's different from traditional continuous deployment, which is somewhat um, uh, well-defined and linear. Uh, and then what's new with MLOps is continuous training. So it's, it's, it's a very unique property to machine learning where you want to be monitoring your model in production and if, you, if you're seeing that your model in production is differing from your uh, expectations, you want to continuously retrain your model. So yeah, that would trigger a rerun of your pipeline that uh, gives it new data, trains the model, and deploys it. So there's this continuous training uh, process that is additional for MLOps. Okay, so, so there's a concept of model concept drift. Can you please explain that? Sure, so it's very hard to assess the complete performance of a machine learning model in online systems. So you could, for example, spam detection, you could have a, uh, you could build an offline model that um, trains on some spam um, emails and then predicts on spam emails. But when you put it online in a system, um, it could happen that your spam model is not performing well that you saw in your um, offline uh, offline model preparation. 
And this suggests that your model has gone stale and it needs to be retrained on fresh data. Um, so for again, let's talk about the spam detection model. Let's say you created a model several, several years back where you know spam looked like something like uh, somebody wants to transfer inheritance money to you and is asking for your account number. That's those are the kind of spam emails you got a couple of years ago. So imagine a model is trained on that and then is predicting on today's kind of spam emails, which is uh, which are much more sophisticated and it looks like uh, it's realistic emails that are very authentic looking and they lead to authentic looking websites that request for your password or something. So models trained on old spam emails would not perform well on today's spam emails. Um, and then, so you want to be able to measure this in production and know when your model is stale, when your model is no longer up to date to the data that's coming in. So that's kind of what, that's what um, concept drift is. And that's where a lot of um, machine learning, the continuous training thing comes in, where if you're looking for this kind of drift in your data, you want to be able to um, pass that data back to your machine learning model, have it retrain, and then deploy an updated model which performs well on the, the newest data that's coming. Okay, so yeah, let's just talk about some of the monitoring requirements for ML deployments. So can you please elaborate more on this concept? So for MLOps, we want to be monitoring for many other factors uh, in addition to the normal ones, the normal health uh, system health metrics. One is memory. So you want to monitor your machine learning models memory requirements and how is it changing over time. There's also latency requirements, um, latency measurements, uh, how, how much time does your model take to make a prediction there's also throughput. So how many examples can your model predict in, uh, in one instance of prediction? So these are different metrics that are specific to machine learning models that are very important to uh, maintain the health of a machine learning model in, in, in production. Um, in addition to that, there are other metrics to uh, look out for as well. The one is data schema skews. So let's say some uh, you're collecting your data from somewhere and suddenly the data changes. Your column, um, your column is the same, but you know, the values in the column changes. There's a significant statistical difference from what the values were before and now. And that's also something you want to monitor. And if um, if it's not what you expect, then there's a problem in your model. Uh, for example, let's say you're doing a weather prediction model, weather forecasting model and uh, you're get, getting data from a bunch of different sensors. And uh, one sensor, um, there's a fault in one of the sensors and that sensor will start giving you wrong values. That is the kind of um, a skew that happens in data that's very important to be measuring. Um, and if you do see that, then there, that's a, a cue, a red flag for you to go back and uh, investigate where the data is going wrong. Okay, so let's just suppose I have a startup, uh, which is in uh, ML domain, and I'm uh, actually building a team around ML loss. So do I hire the same DevOps guy for this, or is, it a, is there a different uh, skill set for this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Andrew Eng recently ran uh, a survey where he asked like uh, people who were listening to his lecture what they thought. 
And uh, many of them thought that it was the machine learning engineer who should be aware of these because it's essentially under their domain. Um, so you, you have uh, a new rising field is a machine learning engineer, software engineer, which is basically somebody who knows uh, the basics of machine learning and model development, but also knows from the deployment side uh, what the uh, how things um, occur in deployment, uh, how to take it to deployment, how to monitor it, and, and how to keep the system healthy. So that's a new emerging field where you have people who know both both ends of the of the problem. Uh, DevOps was also one of the options where DevOps um, engineers they also learn um, basics of machine learning systems enough to develop the, um, those machine learning models and take them to production. So it's it's a mix. There's no right answer. Um, there's trade-offs, obviously. If um, a DevOps person is handling everything on their own, they might miss out on some important parts that a data scientist or machine learning engineer knows. And similarly, if it's just a pure data scientist handling the operation parts, um, that would also um, lead to them missing out on a few important components that are required to deploy a service. How do you determine when a model is ready to be released? So this is a, this is a very important question. Um, in a basic setup, a model would be trained, uh, would be deployed based on offline evaluation. So I have some data set. I, um, I have a notebook, a Python notebook. I run training and testing and see how the model performs on my test data. Um, and if the model looks good, I take that and deploy it to production. That's like version one of how you would go about this. But um, a, a better and more robust approach would be running A-B testing. So you have your model that's deployed in production. And to know if a model is good enough to be to update in production, what you do is you take a percentage of traffic from production and 50% of the traffic gets what they were seeing before, so no change. And then 50% of that traffic sees your new model. And then that gives you a very close to real performance of the model in an online setting in production, where now you can compare head-to-head -head metrics on your model's performance and the uh, previous model's performance. And uh, that uh, is, the best way to update a model in production and know that your model is better, is the same or better than what you are already serving in in, in production. Okay, okay, so, so obviously you're from Google, so how has Google used MLOps? So Google um, has this policy of where it open sources a lot of the internal um, libraries or frameworks that are used. Um, uh, one is, um, there's like different levels of uh, softwares that you could use based on the sophistication that you want. A very basic one could be a simple orchestration where you have BigQuery for exploratory data analysis and preparation. Uh, it can store structured or semi-structured data. Then a big part that we use internally and also is open source is AutoML, where it takes care of many of the activities of a machine learning team. Um, and then what happens is here you inject data, it AutoML automatically trains data for you. Um, and uh, it offers a shortcut and accelerates a, a typical machine learning project and the task, for example, data exploration, 
uh, feature engineering, model selection, uh, model training, evaluation, and then uh, e even deploying and uh, giving you a service or API to call. So AutoML is one of the biggest um, software frameworks that are used in machine learning that automates a lot of the pipeline. There's also TensorFlow data validation where you can monitor your production data quality and uh, compute basic statistics and interactive charts um, that allow for visual inspection and uh, comparison. So if you notice there's a drift in your data, TensorFlow data validation allows you to monitor that. And then uh, on top of all of this is a Cloud Composer, which um, uh, essentially orchestrates all of these different parts uh, where you can uh, from data exploration, data collection, all the way to model serving and monitoring. Um, Cloud Composer is the orchestrator which uh, binds all of these together. And now that's kind of like a basic setup that can happen. Um, there's also advanced tools that are available. For example, in, you have Kubeflow, which is a Kubernetes native um, machine learning toolkit. Uh, and with this, you can uh, build and deploy portable and scalable end-to-end -end machine learning workflows based on containers. Um, and uh, another one is um, TFX, which was recently made open source, which is um, it's a configuration that um, provides components to define, launch, and monitor TensorFlow-based models, um, and uh, uh, does a lot of the model training and prediction and the serving parts uh, for you. Okay, and how can companies new to this adopt it? So there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of the cloud services offer um, abstraction on top of these. Where um, talk about Google Cloud, where the stuff that I mentioned, you can get over there. Um, Azure has a machine learning uh, Azure ML that um, makes it very easy for you to start building and deploying models. Um, Amazon has SageMaker um, and other tools that um, um, really abstract most of the, the heavy lifting underneath and uh, gives data scientists the, the time to work on business logic instead of worrying about uh, what it would take to, to, to production. Okay, as, as, as a student who's somebody who's actually starting to learn MLOps or would want to explore MLOps, what resources would you recommend? How should they start the journey? Um, I, I would say look at um, the different offerings that different cloud providers give, um, because essentially you will be running all of this in the cloud and every cloud provider is going big on machine learning and providing a lot of abstraction. So I would say go into, um, look into SageMaker, look into Cloud AI, Google, look into Azure ML, and those will give you the starting um, uh, starting points for a lot of the machine learning development down the way and a lot of the automation that is required. Yeah, well, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And it was an amazing session. Mm -hmm.